those of you that are joining us, welcome to Antioch West Virtual Sunday Morning. We're so thankful you're here. Man, there's so many of you that I'm getting to hear from for the very first time. I'm so thankful that you're here, and I welcome you today, and I pray, I, I sincerely pray that uh, something that is said today will uh, will touch your heart, will speak to you, but more importantly, will we'll, we'll, uh, we'll take you closer to Jesus. I want to share with you a with something today that the Lord kind of has been um, impressing on me. Uh, it's been sort of, I, I don't know, what, the, the word meditate in the Bible, um, and, and, and this is important, I'm not just rambling here. The Bible says we should meditate on the Word of God. When we think of meditation, most of us think of sort of the Eastern mysticism of meditation, sort of the hum. But that's not really what the biblical meditation is about. The word meditate is to chew on. Um, it's kind of kind of a weird analogy, but it's sort of like a cow when he puts the uh, food in his mouth and chews the cud. It, you, just, you chew on it. You chew on it. And so there's been something over the last couple of weeks that I've been meditating on, chewing on. In fact, last week, I believe towards the end of... Um, Towards the end of last Sunday morning, I actually even kind of threw it out there. And uh, I want to come back and kind of unpack that a little more this morning and kind of share with you uh, some some things about that because it is something that I've been sort of meditating on and the Lord's been speaking to me about. And uh, I want to share that with you today. Um, John chapter 4, I'm not going to read the whole story. It would be... It would be to your benefit. We're going to talk about the story, but I don't, for time's sake, I'm not going to go back and read the whole story. But it would be to your benefit if you would go back and you would read the story. John chapter 4 is a, uh, a story that I, I think I have preached probably more from this story or probably taught or preached or, or spoken from this story more than any other, probably close to any other story in the Bible except, obviously, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. But this is a just a fascinating story for many, many uh, reasons. Um, it is the story of Jesus meeting the woman at the well. Um, again, I would encourage you. It is, oh, I don't know how many verses long is it is. It's 20-something verses long here. Uh, 26, about 26 verses. So it would take you about 10 minutes to read it. Um, but it's a great story, tremendous. It, it gives insight not only into uh, Jesus' mindset, it kind of gives you a little insight into how the disciples were thinking. It gives you cultural insight of that time and period. Um, it's a fascinating story. I mean, I've studied it from multiple angles. Um, I've studied it in depth, and I, I, I absolutely I love it. It's a tremendous story. And so I want to go back to it again today. But for time's sake, I don't want to read the entire story through, uh, understanding that basically the gist of the story is this. Uh, Jesus uh, is heading from the southern part of the region to the northern part of the region to Galilee. He's going to take this northern route. And some of you have heard me talk about this before, but give me a moment if I can do it again. Um, the easiest route from north to from south to north, the easiest route in that Israel, Judea area at the time of Christ. And in some ways, even today, if you had to walk it by foot, even though there are modern roads and modern trails, but especially at that point in time, when, when during the time of Christ, there was a very easy way to travel from south to north or north to south. And that was, upon, it was, that was along the, the, the Jordan River Valley. The Jordan River Valley, when, when we look at maps, sometimes we forget the elevation that takes place. And so Jesus was in the southern. He was going to go to the northern area. And the easiest way for him to travel was, was along this valley. It was the flattest ground. It was the ground with the least amount of elevation change and sort of the challenging aspects of the hike. Jesus was from Nazareth. Nazareth was a town up in the hills. Uh, but he's traveling along the Jordan River. He was going to go up to the Galilee. Gets up one morning and basically says to his disciples, "Hey, fellas, we've got to go to we've got to go by Samaria. I've I've got to go to Samaria." And I would imagine, for a lot of different reasons, when um, he makes that statement, um, 
they probably looked at him with surprise and also sort of like, are you kidding me? Because two things. Number one, uh, the disciples were Jews. The Jews did not have any dealings with the Samaritans. The Samaritans to the Jews were a mixed breed. It's a lot of, don't have time to go into the whole uh, Jew, Jew and Samaritan conflict, but don't they, they weren't friends. In fact, the Jews did not like the Samaritans in a lot of ways, and uh, it was it was they weren't chummy. Let's just I'm going to use a good biblical word. They weren't chummy, um, and so when Jesus says to him, "Hey, let's go. Let let's see," he says to his disciple, "Let's go by Samaria." First of all, they're like Samaria. What? We're going to go to Samaria, but then. The other aspect of this, which was really amazing, I've done some topographical study of the uh, area uh, that Jesus was in. And and through my estimations, to get from the Jordan Valley where Jesus would have been to Samaria, it was about a 2,500-foot change in elevation. The mileage varies based off where you assume Jesus was. But the elevation change was about 2,500 feet of elevation change. Now, if you're in a car, that doesn't seem like that's that big of a deal, right? You just hit the gas pedal and go harder. But you're walking. Uh, you're walking in um, not the not probably the most comfortable shoes. So it is not just a stroll. This is a hike up a significant hill, uh, a small mountain to get from where Jesus was to Samaria. In fact, we know that the trip must have been exhausting because when Jesus got to the well, the Bible says he sat down because he was tired. Story goes that the woman shows up at the well and Jesus confronts her and this whole thing about give me the drink. And he says, you know, uh, she goes, how can you drink? You don't have anything to get water from. And he said, you know what? If you knew who I was and if you knew the gift of God, you wouldn't ask me for, I wouldn't, you wouldn't be asking, um, I wouldn't be asking you for a drink. You would be asking me for a drink of living water. And then this whole thing starts to happen where Jesus starts to talk to her about her life, where she was. She was a woman that had uh, multiple husbands. The man she was living with um, at the time wasn't even her husband. This whole thing started happening. And, it was an, it's an amazing story, fascinating. I encourage you to go back. We'll touch a little bit more about the story in a minute. But really, it's, it illustrates a bigger point here. The, 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 the story is just another example of this sort of understanding of, of, of the moment. Because if you estimate, and there's, I've, I've done some shallow research. I haven't really, can't say I've dug deep into a, an, an exhaustive study on it, but I've done some study on trying to know how many people would have been alive in that area uh, that Jesus ministered during that period of time. The estimations are all over the map. But let's just say, folks, it was hundreds of thousands of people who were alive. Probably over a million? Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. No one really knows. But there was something in that range. There was more than a few. So understand that Jesus became, in some ways, it was a lightning rod. To one group, he was sort of this troublemaker, this you know, this guy that was causing issues. Um, um, to one group, the Romans and the Roman citizens, he was just another one of those probably crazy Jewish leaders that was just a little off, nothing to worry about. But then there was a whole other group that Jesus was, he was, he, he was, his popularity, his, who he was, was absolutely, it was exploding. I mean, crowds were following him. Um, um, I mean, he had 5,000 people show up to hear him speak, and they hadn't even had lunch. Um, he, he, was, he was extremely popular in a lot of ways. So I got, if you think about that idea, and, and, and I don't know, you could, I went through and, and, and estimated, try to estimate how many people would have seen Jesus at one point in time. But there's, it's impossible. It's absolutely impossible. And I'm not talking about his lifespan. I'm talking about for the three and a half years of his ministry, how many people would have seen him. I have no idea. Um, thousands, tens of thousands more than likely. So what was the difference between the people that, saw him 
But then there's another group that really had their life changed by Jesus. There's a lot of people saw him. It was almost like um, we, we had an opportunity uh, a year ago um, that uh, one of the one of the members of Antioch West, his Secret Service agent, he was a part of the uh, 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 detail to protect the vice president. He and he invited my wife and I, and my family, to come and meet the vice president. Um, he was traveling from Washington up to Baltimore to give a speech, and he flew the presidential vice presidential helicopter um, from D.C. to Baltimore, landed at the airport, and we were out there on the um, tarmac to be able to greet him. He came off the helicopter, walked over, got a chance to shake his hands, and I had a chance to sort of had an, have an experience with Governor uh, well, Vice President Pence. But right now, if I walked up to him and said, hey, hey, Mike, how you doing, buddy? Um, you remember me, right? Uh, I'm not really sure. Um, yeah, I remember. I was that guy. Remember, remember that guy? Uh, I was that guy that was at the airport that day. I was sitting there with my family. I said, hello. You said hello back. We took a picture. It was amazing. He'd be like, okay, well, yeah. Don't really remember you, but, you know, thanks for, thanks for showing up. Appreciate it. Because... That's all it was. And, and it got me really thinking when you start looking at this and you kind of look, kind of unpack some of this stuff. There's a difference between experiencing Jesus and having, having an encounter with Jesus. They're not the same. There's a difference between an experience and an encounter. There are a lot of people that are experiencing Jesus today, but not everybody is encountering Jesus today. Now, if you kind of look at those shortly, you kind, of, you kind of think, aren't those the same thing? But when you really get deep into them, you realize that's not the same thing. To experience an encounter, really, they have similarities, but they leave you completely different in the end. The fruit of them is completely different. An experience and an encounter, they leave you with different memories and, and the tangible effects of in your own life after it's all done is different. You see, an experience involves two things, really, in a lot of ways. Experience involves some form of observation or even participation. And really, an experience is, um, is, is about a feeling, right? Because, you know, like this is a big thing right now. The millennials, the millennials, the Generation Z, I don't even know. I think it's Generation Z now. And, you know, it's, it's, experience we want to experience you know now they got escape rooms because you want to experience this and come experience we can't just go to the theater and watch a movie now you've got to experience IMAX because it's a bigger experience there's always a, a experience you know today's Memorial Day it's supposed to have been uh, sort of the the it's the unofficial start of summer right and one of the big things a Memorial Day for some is is baseball and Major League Baseball and the experience of going to the stadium and the experience of the crack of the bat, the experience of the roar of the crowd and the smell of popcorns and peanuts and hot dogs and vendors yelling out, get your hot dog, get your hot dog. It's an experience. It's an immersive experience. It, it, it creates a feeling. It, it creates a feeling of fondness. I, I When I go to a game, um, it creates... A feeling of fondness. I remember when my dad used to take me to Old Memorial Stadium in Baltimore when the Orioles played and got to watch guys like Cal Ripken and Eddie Murray and men of that nature. And it was an experience. I had this experience and, and it creates memories and it creates emotions. And nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying anything's wrong with the experience. We, we have all kinds of experiences. We get to experience uh, all kinds of things. But that's what our world is offering now. Everything's about experience. You know, you can go to a silent auction and and bid on an experience. Have this experience. You can skydive or bungee jump or hike or do all kinds of experiences. Because it's an experience. There's observation. You get to see things. You, 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 you may be even be able to participate. But really experience is about this feeling you get. It's an emotion. You want to experience the rush. You want to experience the feel. You want to experience the love. You want to experience it. You want to you experience that. You want to experience the moment because it's an experience. Nothing wrong with an experience. I'm not saying we shouldn't have experiences. 
Experiences are amazing. Nothing wrong with experience. Don't get me wrong here. Don't say, well, are you really about, you don't believe we should have experiences. No, experiences are wonderful. We had an experience yesterday. We all went on a bike ride. That was an experience. My family. I experienced joy and we had some other things we experienced. We experienced it. It was an experience. It was wonderful. That You know, I told my wife, it was hilarious. Our, our kids are getting older now. And if you've ever raised small kids, I'm sure you know this. We're just learning this. There's a point in time where you look at your kids and go, okay, wait a minute. We're, what's happening here? Because our youngest one now is eight. We got an eight-year-old, ten-and-a-half-year-old, and a 13-year-old going on 30. At least she thinks she's going on 30. Hey, Hope, how you doing? Um, but we have this experience yesterday. I was told my wife, we're riding a bike, and I, we got home, and it just hit me. I'm like, holy cow. We just went on a bike ride. We didn't have anybody die. Nobody had to, no panic, no we actually had all, everybody participate and rode their own bike. It was like an amazing experience because our kids are really growing up. It was an experience. Nothing wrong with experiences. I enjoy having experiences. But you see, if you go back to the time of Jesus, there were tons of people that had an experience with Jesus. I can't imagine what it must have been like to sit there and watch him go by. Oh, wow. That's Jesus. I mean, you're tapping your friend. You're like... I mean, you're telling, you know, you're you're sitting out on the porch. Everybody in our neighborhood, I don't know how it's been in your neighborhood, but in our neighborhood, everyone's sitting out on the front porch. You 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 sometimes when you go outside and you you my wife and I go for a run or a walk or a bike ride, I feel like I'm on a parade. Everybody's on their front porch waving, hey, hey, I feel like, you know, we're in a parade. Everybody's sitting on the front porch. But I imagine it was kind of like that, you know, just sitting on the front porch, you hear the rumble of the crowd, next thing you know, here comes Jesus. You're like That's Jesus. Ethel, get out of here. You got to see this. Ethel comes running. It's Jesus. Look, he's there. He's walking right by our house. This is amazing. Isn't this amazing? Get the kids. Tell them. They're going to want to see this. This is Jesus. It's Jesus. A couple weeks ago, we got the kids in the car. We had a, a brief moment between a meeting I was having. We, grew the, we, gra- we grabbed the kids in the car. We rushed up just about 15 minutes from my house. Ran onto a bridge, stood there, and watched the Blue Angels and the Thunderbirds fly over Baltimore when they were doing that flight to honor all of our frontline workers. It was an amazing experience. I mean, it was awesome. And I, and and we picked the right spot. They came right by, kind of turned right there. I mean, you could feel it, man. You, feel, I felt it patriotic. I was like. This is awesome. I mean, I was just ready to break forth in the Lee Greenwood. I'm proud to be an American. This is awesome. But it was an experience. It changed my life. But it was an amazing experience. I can't say I came home and went, wow, I'll never be the same. Because it was an experience. A lot of people probably had that. Jesus walks by and they say, hey, it's Jesus. Oh, oh, it's Jesus. It's amazing. Look at him. I, didn't, I thought he'd be shorter. I thought he'd be taller. He's a little skinnier than I thought. Look, look, his hair is a little different color. That's an experience. It's amazing. It, I mean, come on. Let's be honest. What would have... I've often thought about this. I don't even like fish. I'm not a seafood guy. I get it. I know some of you just turn me off. You're like, I can't watch this guy. He doesn't like seafood. I don't know what it is. I was born in the state of Maryland. I've raised, I've been, I spent 40 years in the state of Maryland. But I'm sorry to offend all of you Marylanders. I don't do seafood. I don't know. I don't like it. Crab, crab cakes. I know it's a sin to be a Marylander and not like seafood. I just don't do it. I don't, I don't do it. I have had fish before when there's nothing left, when there's nothing else to eat. But I, I just, that's not my go-to move. So, Get that. I'm not a I'm not a seafood guy. We all have our crosses to bear. That just happens to be mine. I get that. Some of you are like just absolutely losing your mind right now. I can you're not like crab cakes. I don't. I don't know what it is. But can you imagine that day? I, I've often thought about this. What would it have been like to eat the fish and the bread that Jesus just 
created out of nothing. I wonder what it tasted like. It had to have tasted amazing because Jesus made it. What would it have been to experience that moment? What would that have been like to taste the fish? I, I, you know, I don't know. My brain works kind of weird. Did it have bones in it? I'm sure it probably did. Did it have bones in it or did Jesus pick out the bones for you? I have no idea. But I can't imagine what it had been like to go. I mean, it had to almost been sort of a surreal moment. You're eating this fish because it wasn't like Jesus went behind a curtain, said, okay, give me a second. Uh, Ta-da! Here's all the fish. No. The Bible says he broke the bread and the and and blessed it right there in front of everybody. It wasn't a private thing. They watched it. They watched it multiply. What would that have been like to experience that? But you know what's amazing? 5,000 people experienced that. But when it was done, it was just an experience. They had a story to tell. They had a memory for their grandchildren. They had something to sit around the dinner table on, on evenings and say, hey, you remember, remember the, you know, remember that time we were out there with that guy named Jesus and, and we were so hungry we were going to leave and go down to McDonald's, but he said, hold on, stop. And, and he handed us this fish and we're like, where did it come from? They said, well, it came from this boy who had fish. We're like, did he bring all this fish? And said, no, 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 it was just five loaves and two fish, but Jesus broke it and, 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 and fed everybody. Do you remember that? Man, that was mind-blowing. I, I know they didn't have the emojis back then, but that was that emoji with the head popping off. It's like, I mean, what an experience. But that's all it was. It was just an experience. It, it's amazing. It, it's, it's awesome. But when it's all said and done, you're left with a feeling and an emotion. And eventually the feeling goes away and you're just left with a, you're left with just a memory. You're left with a memory. And if you really worked hard, you can bring back some feeling attached to that memory. Sometimes our experiences are good. Sometimes our experiences are bad. But they're experiences. But then I look at other times in the Bible, in this particular case with this woman at the well, I find there's a difference between an experience and an encounter. You see, because an experience is something where, yes, it's amazing, and you get a chance to, 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 to feel and see, but when it's all said and done, it's just an experience. But see, when you have an encounter, you, you are changed. You're not the same person you were after the encounter than you were before the encounter. Because to me, an encounter is a meeting. An experience is a one-way, a lot of times it's a one-way thing. You might have some participation, but it's usually, it's, it's not, it's not a, it's not a coming together. But an encounter is a meeting. It's a, it's a connection. It's a two-way thing. There's a back and forth. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a transferring. There's a connection that's being built. Go back to the Bible and you can see how many encounters. Moses had an encounter with the burning push and was forever changed. We have David had an encounter with God out in a, uh, out, out in a pasture with a bunch of sheep. He had an encounter with God when, when this prophet poured oil over his head, that these encounters were not just experiences. He didn't experience these things. Moses didn't experience the burning bush. He encountered God at the burning bush, and it changed his life. So we find this lady at the well, this wasn't an experience. This was an encounter. Because an encounter leaves you completely different. You say, what's the difference between an experience and an encounter? Well, Here's several things we find from this story, and I encourage you again, for time's sake, go back and read it. But I won't have that. I don't have the time today to read all 26 verses. But I encourage you to go back and read it. And you you let the Lord share with you for yourself. But I can see from this story, there's a major difference between an experience and encounter. Because when we have an experience, we don't really see the longer effects. Because you figure when... Jesus was ascending into heaven. The Bible says there's only 500 people. 500 people that were there. We know 5,000 ate miraculous food. We know that there were times where 
literally hundreds were, were, were healed. We know there were a street filled with people the day that Jesus stopped the funeral procession and said, hey, what's going on? And, okay, just, you know, just tell them to wake up. The, the street was filled with people that watched that. But in the end, when it was all said and done, only 500 were left. And from that, only 120 made it to the upper room in the book of Acts. So that tells me there was a lot of people that had an experience with God. But not everybody had an encounter with God. You see, today you can come on here for a few minutes and you can have an experience. You can watch me for a few minutes. You can say, wow, that guy's annoying or that guy's pretty interesting or this is good or eh, this is not really my cup of tea. You can have an experience. You might laugh. You might cry. You might be bored. You'll have an experience. There'll be some emotion attached to it. But in the end, it will be an experience. And what's really sad about that is, is that churches now are trying to provide better experiences. I'm not knocking any church, but, ha you know, come have a worship experience. I don't want to have an experience. I want to have an encounter. I'm here today to say, hey, come have a experience. Antioch West is live stream. No, what my prayer is, is that when you come to Antioch West live stream, that somehow you'll have an encounter with God. Long after you forget, you remember who I am or what I look like or was he wearing glasses or not wearing glasses? Was his hair combed, not combed? What color was his shirt? Long after all that's done, that you will be forever changed because you had an encounter with God. And we can look at the story in Scripture. We can find that there's several keys that happen in an encounter with God. First and foremost, the first thing you got to realize with an encounter of God is it won't. It will often be different than what you expect. It often it it, it won't be what you expect a lot of times. In fact, not only will it not be what you expect, but it's but it will have to. It will often happen when you least expect it. Usually encounters with God don't come like you think they will, and they usually come when you don't expect them. Example, Moses didn't know that the bush was going to catch on fire, and that's not exactly how he thought he would meet God. But God chose that to have an encounter. The, 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 uh, the, the disciples are out in the, in the middle of the storm, and Jesus comes walking on the water. And they didn't even know it was Jesus, even though they had just seen him a few hours early, because he was coming in a way they didn't expect, and he was coming when they really weren't expecting him to be there. You see, an encounter with God usually doesn't come on your terms. An encounter with God usually starts with his terms. Today, if you want to lay out your terms to God, say, God, I want you here, and I want you like this, and I want you like this, and here's all the list of stuff I want you to do so I can have an encounter with you, I'm pretty sure God's not going to listen to your list. Well, that's not fair. Does God not love me? No, and he loves you tremendously. But God is going to come to you on his terms. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. That's his terms, not our terms. So the first thing when you have an encounter with God is God often comes in ways you don't expect, and he often comes when you least expect. How many days had that woman gone to the well? We know for a fact that if you read the story very clearly, you'll understand one thing, that the well she was going to was not the well that was in town. In fact, most towns, and especially this uh, in Samaria, in the city of Sychar, there would have been a well in town. Because that's where the townspeople went and got well. They didn't have faucets. They didn't have indoor plumbing. They had to go to the well every day to get water. And so they went to the well in, in the city. The water was fed from the water coming down from the mountains and, and it would collect in these and, and underground and there would well was in the middle of the city because you wanted to be convenient for your citizens. So you built a well in the middle of the city. But that wasn't the well she went to. The Bible was very clear that Jesus stayed outside the city because the Bible says he sent his disciples into the city. So here's here is Jesus hanging outside the city, and here comes the woman outside the city. She didn't go to the well everybody went to because she was Shamed. She was dealing with her own issues. 
So she not only went at the wrong time of day because you went and got your water in the evening and in the, mor- in the morning and the evening. You never went in the middle of the day. In the middle of the day, it was the hottest time of day. You didn't do that work during the middle of the day. But she went to the wrong well at the wrong time because she did not want to have an encounter with anybody. How many days has she snuck out of her house with her water pots and snuck down that road hoping not to see anybody, hoping not to talk to anybody, hoping not to have to answer one more question. What happened to the last man? What happened to your last husband? What's going on with the new man? What happened to this guy? Why you like that? Oh, don't listen to her. She's a bad lady because she's living with another man, not her husband. She's already had five men. She didn't want to hear all of it. So what does she do? She, she gets out to the town when no one is expecting She sneaks out of her house. She goes to get water. She's not expecting. And when she walks up, she sees this guy. And her first words out of her mouth is, What are you doing? Who are you? Why are you at this well? And then Jesus opens them up and says, Hey, give me something to drink. And she's startled because based off what he was wearing, she realized you're not from around these parts, are you? You're a Jew. And she not only is startled because the fact that this guy is sitting at the well when she's gone to the well a hundred times, hundreds and hundreds of times before, no one's ever been there. Now there's somebody there. And importantly, it's another man. And oh no, if someone sees me out there with another man, they're going to think I've got another guy. Now I've got more men and I'm... I mean, there's all this running through her head. Had to have been. Oh, it's another guy. Oh, here comes another guy. I'm, I'm here. I go again. It's just my luck, right? Everyone, everyone think there, he, there she goes again. Got herself another man out there by the well. She goes, and Jesus says, "Give me a drink." And she looks at him and says, um, "Why are you a Jew? Why, why is a Jew talking to me?" She's immediately going walls, walls, walls. Usually when you come and encounter, when you have an encounter with God, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to get your walls to come down. Because we're so, we're so used to being able to have our Batman shield. We hit the button, right? Our, we just go in the Batmobile shield. Our entire world just shuts down. Walls, 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 bells go. And her walls immediately went up. What are you, a Jew, talking to me, a Samaritan? Give me the drink. Then Jesus just dropped it down on her. He said, woman, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that said give you the drink, you would ask of me and I would give you a drink of living water. You see, the first thing about an encounter with God is it comes, usually comes when you, the, the way you don't expect it and when you least expect it. Maybe today you just jumped on for a few minutes because you had nothing better to do, not expecting that today would be a day you had an encounter with God. The second thing that happens in an encounter with God is he addresses questions that you don't even realize you have, and he gives you answers to things you don't even realize you need. Because what happens? He, her, her, her focus was just getting her need met, just kind of surviving, just trying to get past the moment. Just trying to live in day to day. I just want to get water to survive today. I just want to make it today. I just want to get through one more day. I just want to get through Sunday. I'll get through tomorrow when it comes. But I just want to get through the day. That's some of the attitude of some of you that are watching today. You're just trying to get through the day. You're just trying to live in the moment. If I can just get through today, I'll just make it to the night. And if I could just get to sleep, I'll start it all over again. And 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 I'll just see if I can keep checking off boxes one by one to just survive. And then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up and says, Hey, wait a minute. If you really knew who I was, you would realize that I'm not trying to help you just survive the moment, but I'm trying to bring you life and life more abundantly. She didn't even realize she had a need. 
She didn't even realize she had a need in her. She didn't even realize. You see, some of you today don't even realize how much you need God until God shows up and says, I'm going to show you something about yourself and I'm going to show you something about me. And all of a sudden there's something in you that goes, I, I, I didn't even realize this is what I need. But God, God, I want more of you. How many times have you come in contact with God and God's shown you something that at the time you didn't even realize you needed, but when the light bulb went off, you're like, I need this in my life. She didn't even realize she needed his type of water. All she was worried about was trying to meet her current need. The third thing that happens in an encounter with God is usually God reveals the inner parts of us. He doesn't do it in a way to embarrass us, didn't broadcast it, doesn't share it for the world, but he reveals sometimes the gross parts of us. Notice what happens in the story. They start having this back and forth, and um, Jesus kind of drops this question on her. He goes, say, a woman, where's your husband? He knew the answer, but he ought to ask it anyways. He said, woman, where's your husband? She said, um, I, I, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. In fact, you've had five husbands, and the guy you're living with right now um, is not your husband. She looked back at Jesus and said, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Kind of the ultimate Oda statement of the day. You see, when you have an encounter with God, doesn't always come like you expect, and it doesn't. It often comes when you least expect it. The second thing that happens when you have an encounter with God is God will answer questions that you didn't even know you had. And the third thing is when you have an encounter with God, God reveals to you where you really are. He doesn't do that so he can say, Ah, I gotcha. Uh-huh, you're living with uh woman, where's your husband? Uh, I don't have one. You're right, I gotcha. Cause you've been with five husbands, and the one you live with now is not even your husband. Oh that's not what he did. Do you think Jesus did that? No, he didn't. He wanted to see, are you willing to admit where you are so I can take you where I want you to go? You can't be helped until you admit you need help. I need to say that again because someone needs to hear me. You can't get help until you admit you need help. I have talked to so many people and tried to help them, but it has fallen on deaf ears because you know why? They don't recognize the need to change. They only say, well, I've got this and I've been this way and this problem is because of this person and my husband or my wife or my parents or my children or my job or my boss. Everybody else is to blame except them. They very rarely ever say, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. So Jesus was testing her, not to not to embarrass her, but he was testing her to see if she was willing to reveal where she was and be honest with herself so that he could say, now that you have been open with me about where you are, I'm going to help you get out of where you are. You notice Jesus never reveals something that he, he doesn't intend to fix. He never reveals sin that he's not ready to forgive. He never reveals hurt that he's not ready to heal. He never reveals pain that he's not ready to take away. God doesn't reveal to embarrass. God doesn't reveal to shame. God doesn't reveal to make your life miserable. Yes, it might make bring back memories. It might bring back hurt. It might have tears. But he only reveals because it's the first step in the process of making you something amazing. If you, if you bypass the reveal process, you can never experience the other side. If you bypass the acknowledgement of sin, you can never truly 
find the beauty of forgiveness and repentance. If you bypass the, 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 the acknowledgement that I've got hurt, you can never experience the beauty of a healing. If you never experience, if you never acknowledge the idea that you have hurt and bitterness and unforgiveness in your life, you can never know the joy of what it's like to be released and free. You never acknowledge the fact that you're a prisoner to your past, chained to your addiction, chained to your moment. You'll never know the joy of what it's like when Jesus Christ unlocks the chains of your life and sets you free. He asked her, where's your husband? That was not in a way so that he could embarrass her. It was a way so that he could change her. If God is revealing something in you today, it's not so he can embarrass you. It's not so he can just say, "Ah, I got you. It's so that God can change you. Do you want to be changed? Where's your husband? I'm not asking that physically. You say, well, he's right here watching with me. I'm not asking that question. I'm asking the question Jesus asked the lady. Where's your husband? What is it in your life right now that you, you need to be honest with yourself and with God. Trust me, I have missed this point so many times in my life where I, I, I experienced Jesus. I had many experiences with Jesus, but I didn't have encounters with him because I kind of shoehorned him into a box. He had to be this way, go this way, do this, do it this way. And therefore, I missed opportunities to encounter with him. But more importantly, even when I acknowledged that I was having an encounter, when he got to the point where he wanted to reveal things in Joel, I just sort of scooted by that part. Yeah. Hey, woman, where's your husband? Oh, look, a bird. Hey, woman, where's your husband? Oh, by the way, uh, I got a new pot. Would you like to see my new pot? Uh, uh, it, it's great for drawing water. No, you see, that wouldn't have worked. I wonder what would have happened if she wouldn't have given Jesus that answer. I wonder if, if she would have, he would have said, woman, where's your husband? Oh, he's at work. He's out in the field today. He's a good man. Good man. I, I love Jim. He's a great guy. I wonder if Jesus would have go, okay, well, you have a nice day. Thank you for the chat. I'll see you. I'll, I, I, I'll see you. I wonder if that would have been the case. I don't know. I'm, I'm speculating here. But I wonder if that would have been the case. I wonder if Jesus would have said, no. Okay, well, you tell Jim I said, hey. But when she acknowledged, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, you're right. You're right. It wasn't like a, you're right. It was, you're right. In fact, I, I already know you've got five husbands. And, and the one you're living with now, he's not your husband. I already know that. I got it. Walls down. When when someone already knows your secret, it's kind of hard to put up walls because they already know the secret. So the, the, the charade's up because ultimately every encounter with God is about getting to the heart of the issue. And when her walls came down, this whole entire encounter with, with Jesus changed and they got into the heart of the issue. And we found out that this woman had this desire to know God and to worship God, but she didn't understand how to do it. She said, well, they, you know, our fathers say worship here and they say worship here. And, and Jesus said, there's a coming a time where all worshipers worship in spirit and truth. You see, today God desires to have an encounter with you. Whether it happens today or it happens tomorrow, this week, next week, whatever it is, when's the last time you had an encounter with God? When's the last time you had a, not an experience with God? You're having an experience today. You've had an experience for the last few minutes, but when's the last time you had a true encounter with God? An encounter with God that left you changed. When was the last time you had an encounter with God that he, that you, 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 you had this 
connection where you didn't realize, you weren't expecting it. You didn't wake up this morning going, okay, today's the day, but you woke up thinking today was going to be the other, like every other day. I'm just going to the well. I'm just going to go to work. I'm just going to do my job. I'm just going to do school. I'm just going to do my chores. I'm just going to do my life. I'm going to get through. And all of a sudden, God shows up at your life, sitting at your well, and says, hey, I need something to drink. And the first reaction is, wait a minute, my walls, where's my walls, where are my walls? But God says, I've come to answer questions you don't even know you have. Because ultimately, I want you to see who I am so I can reveal to you who you are. And ultimately, I can reveal who I want you to be. You see, when he revealed the gross parts of her, the inner parts, the stuff she was hiding from, the shame, all of the all the junk in her, when he revealed those things to her, suddenly there was something that was changed in her. And they got to the true heart of the issue. For those of you who are part of Antioch Quest, you know what I'm talking about. It's the thing under the thing. Remember, it's the thing under the thing. And when you get to the true heart of the issue, that's where God changes you and you're never the same. Because when she left that encounter with Jesus, two things happened. It was amazing. The Bible says, first of all, when she left, she left her water pot. She was so changed by that moment. The thing that she'd been holding on to for so long, she actually left the water pot. Go read it. It's in there. John chapter 4. She left the water pot. That's like equivalent to you and I leaving our cell phone, man. I, everywhere you go, like, where's my phone? I got to have my phone. Where's my phone? Oh, my God, where's my phone? That water pot was everything. It was a source of life. It was a source of identity. It was everything. She left it because she was changed. And the Bible says she went back into the city and started telling everybody about a man called Jesus. When you're changed by God, you're able to go back into your past. You're able to go back into those that have shamed you. And you can say, hey, look at me. I am changed. The people that were her accusers, the people that shamed her, she went back and said, I am not that person anymore. I've been changed. Don't settle for an experience with God, my friend. Don't settle with an experience for an experience with God. Don't settle for just having a moment with Him. An experience where, oh, Jesus is passing by. There He goes. Wow, Sunday morning. Let's get our seat on the side of the parade. Let's get a good front row seat so we can watch Jesus walk by. There He goes. Did you see Jesus today? He was amazing. No. I don't want to experience with him. I want an encounter with Jesus Christ. I don't want an experience. I want an encounter. Don't settle for an experience today when you have the opportunity to have a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. No matter who you are, I'm not talking about those of you that are watching for the first time or maybe you've only been watching for a few weeks. I'm talking to some people that you've been watching for a long time. You've been attending church for a long time. You think, but you've gone too long on the experience and the encounters of the past. It's time to have a fresh encounter. I know it's Memorial Day. This is not the message for today. Memorial Day. It's right? supposed to be hot dogs. Come on. Hot dogs and hamburgers today. No. The question is, when's the last time you had an encounter with God? When's the last time you came face to face with God and it left you changed? Jacob had wrestling with an angel to the point where after it was done, he walked with a limp. When's the last time you had an encounter with God that left you walking with a limp? Not a walking with a limp wearer, but left you with a physical rem- physical reminder that you are not the same person. Moses went up to the mountaintop. The glory of God came down to the point where when he came down off the mountain, his face was glowing so bright they had to put a veil over his face because he was so changed by it. When's the last time you were in the presence of God when you encountered God to the fact it changed you? Not all encounters happen in a moment. 
Sometimes an encounter with God can happen over a period of time, a few days, a week, a month or two. But don't settle for an experience when God is giving, wants to give you an encounter with Him. You know the beauty about an encounter with God? You don't need to be in a physical church building to have an encounter with God. You don't need me to be there to have an encounter with God. You don't need music. You don't need surrounded by any kind of traditional religious vehicle to help you have an encounter with God. You can have an encounter with God right where you are if you're willing right now to just lift your hands. Say, God, here I am. Show me who you are like I've never seen before. Even if that means you've got to show me to me like I've never seen before. You see, sometimes to see God like you've never seen him, you've got to be willing to look at yourself like you've never seen it. You've got to be willing to look at yourself. Don't settle for an experience when you have the opportunity to have an encounter. Because you know what? An experience is just that. It will just be an experience, but an encounter would leave you forever changed. I pray in Jesus' name today that for every person that's watching that is hungry, that desires to know God, desires to find God like ever before, that you would have a fresh encounter with Jesus Christ today, tomorrow, whenever it is, that you would have a fresh encounter. Don't just remember the old encounters, but have a new one. That should be your desire. If you have never had one, you need to have one. But if you had one before, you need a fresh one. You need an encounter with God that forever leaves you changed. I challenge you with you today. I challenge you with that today. Have an encounter with God because he wants to have an encounter with you. He wants to encounter you more than you want to encounter him. So today, don't have an experience. Have an encounter with God because he wants to have an encounter with you. God bless you. Happy Memorial Day to all of you. Be safe out there, would you? Hey, listen, tonight... For those of you that uh, are able to, uh, my wife and I will be back on 7 o'clock with Right at Home. It, it's holiday, but we prayed. We really felt like the Lord wanted us to be on tonight. So tonight, come out. Be with us. 7 o'clock right here on Facebook Live. We're going to have a lot of fun again tonight with you. Come on, get your comments ready to go. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to do some laughs together. Uh, it's holiday weekend, so we're going to just relax and have a good time tonight. 7 o'clock, Right at Home. But more importantly than all that, don't settle for an experience. Have an encounter. God bless you.